come from? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The podcast from outer space. All ships checking in at the podcast from outer space. It's your boy, Rob Scott. Check those G diffuser systems. Teabag here. All systems go. This is Ryan. I'm fine. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast from outer space. Finally made it to episode 88, boys. And obviously, if you couldn't tell already, we're talking about Star Fox tonight. Just wanted to wish you a happy holidays from us here at the podcast from outer space. So whether you're hitting on those Grinch Kobe's whether you uh, lost your fantasy football team because your commissioner is colluding, or <laughs> maybe you missed your flight home because you're banging the neighborhood whore. So Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and whatever uh, holiday that you're celebrating out there, we support you guys. So bust out that eggnog, baby. And we are dipping back into the video game pool for the first time since our Metroid episode way back when. Another Adam episode that you guys can check out. Yes, that is right. Tonight we are out here invading, or I guess saving, the Lilat system and talking about Star Fox, a.k.a. Star Wing, a.k.a. the Lilat Wars. For all our European and Australian listeners out there. So let's spread those wings and fly away, like R. Kelly said, and <laughs> get ready to do a barrel roll, baby. Did uh, he say that also? I don't think he did. Uh, now... <laughs> So for the uninitiated, or I guess those of you who probably had or, or have, I guess, had girlfriends while the rest of us were nerding out, uh, Star Fox is a spaceship shooter game series created by Nintendo. The game follows a mercenary force of talking animals who are led by chief protagonist Fox McCloud. Gameplay involves gallivanting around the Lilat planetary system in the futuristic R-Wing fighter craft and fending off various threats throughout the galaxy. If you take nothing else away from this episode, just remember that last little tidbit when you're on Jeopardy and be sure to shout out your friends here at the podcast from outer space when you're a thousand air because we just gave you the answer. So was that a, was that a question on Jeopardy? No, but if you're ever on Jeopardy. Um, now, let's get to the real, I guess, um, bare bones of this episode, because it's no secret. Adam, he is our video game connoisseur, if you will, over here at the podcast from Outer Space. Now, that brings me to our next point. You ever, I mean, obviously, we've all played the game, but I mean, what are our earliest experiences? What do we remember? I mean... Yeah, I think uh, we were living in Hawaii at the time, and I remember I was at my buddy Patrick's house. And Patrick the Star? Older, <laughs> I don't remember his last name. I'm not going to lie to you. But his older brother and his friends got like the brand new Star Fox game for Super Nintendo, and they're all playing it. <laughs> what is so damn Patrick funny? Star. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Star Fox. <laughs> okay, so you played it first on Super Nintendo? No, no, no. That's the thing, man. <clears throat> like... Me and Patrick went into his older brother's room, and they were all playing. Was Patrick older? No, Patrick was my age. Okay. Do you live next door to you under a rock? So Yeah. (laughs) So his his brother was older and playing it on the Super Nintendo? 
Yeah, with his older friends. And, of course, you know how it is being the little brother. Like, you're not allowed to play or touch the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were just kind of sitting back, like, mesmerized. Like, oh, man, this game's 3D. Like, this was advanced at the time. 3D graphics, if you will. So, yeah, I just remember being blown away by that. Okay. Now, Rob, you're the oldest one here. What do you, like, did you (laughs) first play this on Super Nintendo? Nah, man. The first time I played was with you. Okay. So, 64 was the first? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, see, because, and here's my whole thing, all right? I'll kind of go on a video game rant here, which I've probably done in the past on when we've talked about video games, but, so for me, like, we, I never had a Super Nintendo growing up until that, like, weird sweet spot where, like, we were teenagers and it wasn't fully retro, so you could buy them for, like, a couple bucks at the thrift mm. store. Like, they hadn't become vintage yet, so people aren't upcharging you on them, you know? Like, it's cool now to buy it. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Um, but the first game system we ever got was N64, but I do remember my buddy had a Super Nintendo, and just like you, like I went over, thought it was fucking crazy. Like I had never seen a cartridge before. He was doing the whole lick, lick and blow, <laughs> lick and blow in the cartridge thing, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Uh, and then, but that was mostly like Street Fighter mm. or Street Fighter Two, I, I should say, because Nintendo was way before our time. But Super Nintendo was like kind of when I started getting into it, and then. But if we even back up from that, the first game I ever remember, video game, was like a side-scroller game, and it was a computer game, Commander Keen. You guys ever heard of this? No, I never heard of it. I have, because I used to play it with you all the time. Yeah, this was, <laughs> Hal would play this on the computer, and oh, I wow. thought this was like the coolest thing ever. It's kind of like uh, Wayne's World on Super Nintendo. Very similar to Mario. Yeah, but also, okay. okay, so that was, like, my first intro to even a video game. Then Street Fighter Two, obviously, like, the arcade games. And we would go to, like, arcades and play the fucking cabinet games, you know? Yeah, yeah. But most of those are, like, 2D fighter games, like Ninja Turtles, um, the fucking, maybe some of the shooter games, like Jurassic Park. Mortal Kombat. Mm. Yeah, Mortal Kombat, obviously. Um, and then I remember, so we get... Uh, N64 for Christmas uh, from the parents. They gave us GoldenEye and I believe um, Mario Kart that as well. Correct. And maybe Tony Hawk. Ooh, probably. Okay. So the, like GoldenEye was the first, I guess I remember, game where I had like experience. But then also, do you guys remember the game Turok? The Dinosaur Hunter one? Yeah. 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 Fuck that fucking game because <laughs> I was so, like, I didn't understand the levels of like, you have to beat a level, you have to fight a boss. Like, I didn't get that. I couldn't get up the cliff. You know how you, in the first level, you there's like the cliff and you have to like go up it. I couldn't figure out how to do that. So we never played the fucking game. Like, I just, <laughs> I was too young to understand. And Star Fox, but I do remember Star Fox specifically. Very nostalgic for me because in 2001, I fell off a rope swing. I split my spleen in half, was internally bleeding, had to be in the hospital for like a month, and then I was bedridden for like three months. Uh, You know, it was this whole thing. But in the hospital, I remember the doc brought me in at N64. Only game they had was Star Fox. 
And I oh. played that game every single day in the hospital. And this was the first time I ever understood the concept of like levels and like fighting a boss and like checkpoints, like true gameplay. I didn't, mm. I couldn't comprehend before that. But this game really kind of opened that whole world up to me. So, Star Fox, you got to tip your hat to it, right? Yeah. Shout out to the Star Fox. Tell you everything you know. Yeah. And this is. Again, you know, we're talking about the 64 version released in 97. Uh, This was a reboot on the original 93 game. And as I said, the 64 version probably going to be what most people think of. Or I guess maybe most of our listeners, if they're in our same age range, or or maybe if they're younger, they'll think of the GameCube version, you know? Or even some of the newer ones, yeah. Yeah, because but I mean, for me, like when I think of Star Fox, I think of the 64 version. Is that the same for you guys? Oh yeah, for me for sure. Yeah, and um, definitely not thinking of GameCube. Yeah, now the 64 version specifically has been deemed by many to be one of the greatest video games of all time. Now, do we wow. agree with this sentiment? That's a bold. St- I mean, it's a great game. It's got great replay value. It's one of my favorites, but greatest of all time. Wow. I mean, if given the choice between, if you give me an N64 and you're like, hey, you can have Star Fox or Goldeneye. I think I got to go Goldeneye, boys. Okay. I mean, I would agree. I think, and especially given this episode, as our listeners will see, this game kind of like, uh, is like the foundation for a lot of modern video games. I mean, being like, you know how you can do the different routes, go to different planets? Like, there's a ton of different avenues you can take. Mm. Like, that uh, was kind of unheard of before, yeah? Yeah. So I think like for that reason alone, just the fact and like the 3D mapping and all that stuff we'll get into, like just that stuff alone is probably why a lot of people cite this as the greatest video game. I mean, what what are your guys' thoughts there? It was definitely very ahead of its time, and we'll get to that a little bit later in the outline. Okay. So Star Fox. Now, before we dive into the depths of Aquas or the murky toxic waters of Zonus, uh It seems only fitting that we give a nod and pay homage to the man, the myth, the legend behind the Star Fox franchise, and yes, one of the all-time greats at Nintendo, and just an all-around awesome human being who changed the lives of countless kids, I'm going to say around the world. Mm. Fair enough. Yes, this is none other than Shigiri Miyamoto. Right, you are. Now, if you've dabbled in video games, you know, you're probably familiar with Miyamoto's work. I mean, some of you might have heard of some of his works, including, but not limited to, Donkey Kong, F-Zero, Pikmin, Super Mario Brothers, Star Fox, and The Legend of Zelda. Any of those ringing a bell? Never heard of them. Is that familiar to any of you guys? I would say Donkey Kong is the greatest of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Donkey Kong sucks. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You suck. Okay, so Miyamoto himself was born November 16th, 1952 in the rural Japanese town of Sonobe. Not to be confused with the beverage Sobe. You guys remember those with the lizard? You bet your sweet ass I do. Yeah, I think a baby. <laughs> I was recently looking those up for some reason. Is that still even a company? I, I, I believe they're owned by Pepsi. And I think they sponsored Vin Dissel when he came out in Triple X. 
Perhaps they did. <laughs> I mean, that I dude, I fucking love those drinks. If anybody can get their hands on some, send them our way. Um, but anywho, you Sin- can get it on Amazon. <laughs> I, I looked. You can't. Uh, anywho, Sinobi is located on Honshu, uh, the main island of Japan in the Kyoto Prefecture. Uh, now, while this is no longer the political or economic capital, uh, because that is now Tokyo, as we all might know, um, Kyoto is still regarded as the cultural capital of Japan. Which I personally find very interesting, as I would consider video games to be a very Japanese thing. And the modern day godfather of video games was born here? Is that a coincidence? Okay, that makes sense. And Interesting. It is interesting, but the Japanese are also like extremely concerned with like preserving culture, which is cool because you see a lot of things like uh, like sneaker culture that's big here. But the Japanese were kind of the first to kind of start like collecting Mm. because think about it like we didn't like when we were kids and we had all these skate shoes like we didn't think twice about like saving them like they might be worth something skate them and throw them away man yeah. yeah and you know i feel like the japanese are very it's a culture that is very um concerned with preserving that culture or like saving it for future generations maybe mm. um mm. and i guess we'll see that play out in miyamoto's life uh you know but continuing on uh miyamoto himself he had a modest upbringing we'll say uh and he would entertain himself making homemade puppets and cartoon flip books. Now that's a classic. Uh, not so much the puppets, but the flip books. Did you guys used oh, to do yeah. that in school? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like little stick figures, and they like cut the guy's head off and stuff. <laughs> I used to do it in my textbooks and just leave <laughs> yeah. it there. Classic, dude. Now, uh, now he would do these these things instead of watching TV, which is kind of interesting because you would think like TV would be his avenue into video games, mm. but for this guy, he hates TV. I was also the uh, you know, early 50s, early 60s. I don't know how good TV was over in Japan at the time. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, but yeah, I mean, from a young age, Miyamoto, he began to explore the vast countryside surrounding his home, uh, checking out the Shinto shrines, bamboo forests, and bushwhacking through the cedars and pines on a small mountain near the junior high school. I mean, this is kind of normal kid shit, right? It sounds like, I don't know about you guys, but it sounds like my childhood. Like, I remember... When we lived in Washington, we had this huge backyards and there was all these woods and like I'd trounce around back there chopping down dandelions and stuff with the shovels. Chopping heads off. Yeah. And I yeah. mean, we were all in scouts. So that's like mm-hmm. classic for us, like being in the woods, being out, like exploring that type of shit. Um, but w- what I find interesting here is so this guy, obviously seen as like one of the godfathers of Nintendo, you know, maybe one of the godfathers of video games. He invented all these crazy video games and his upbringing is like, it's like back to his roots. Like he didn't watch TV. Mm. He's getting outside. He's, he's exploring the world. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a classic kid and he gives birth to this thing that kind of spins kids' childhoods in the opposite way. (laughs) Because think about kids nowadays, they're all online. They're all on computers. Like, do kids even, especially now with COVID, keeping them inside? Like, mm. what is it? 
is that normal for kids to do nowadays? Go outside and explore and play and get dirty and, and you know, classic stuff? Or are they all concerned on... I mean, we got kids doing Twitch streaming, making fucking millions of dollars and shit. Mm. It's a different uh, lifestyle nowadays, baby. I mean, you got to think for some kids, like, video games could be their way to kind of explore and get out there, if you will. So it's a whole nother world. Yeah, a, whole, a whole new world, you could say. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, so during all of his childhood exploring, there is one experience in particular that really stood out to Miyamoto, uh, which he claims had a profound impact on his life and eventual career in video games. Uh, so this is akin to George Washington's cherry tree or Steve Jobs' experiences with LSD, but I guess not George Washington's cherry tree because that's a myth. Oh, it's an urban legend. Yeah. Did you know that George Washington never cut down a cherry tree? Ryan, come on. That's what he said. You cannot tell. (laughs) No, I was actually looking this up because I find this very fascinating. And let me know what you guys think. And maybe we're getting off base here. But George, so George Washington dies. And this like crazy preacher guy was like, oh, dude, people are going to want to look up about him. He just basically took it upon himself to write a George Washington biography and just put a bunch of like lessons in there for kids. Yeah, and this ever, is like uh, a bestseller. You ever read the Bible? <laughs> same thing. But, but, it's like, <laughs> but this is like, I mean, I guess same principle. It's just lessons. This guy interwove lessons into George Washington's life and the cherry tree became a huge myth. Like George Washington never even did this. So he lied to his father? Don't know about that one. <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe. Okay. We're getting off base here. Really off base. All I'm saying is George Washington never cut down a cherry tree. Remember that on Jeopardy. So this is more like, yes, yeah, Steve Jobs experiences with LSD. Miyamoto often tells a story about a cave he stumbled on. And this is not a metaphor or an allegory as it was in Plato's case, but still kind of similar. Uh, and maybe he would have become Batman in an alternate reality. Uh, now, although this story has varied a few times over the years, the gist of it is as follows. So one day, when he was about seven or eight, Miyamoto came across a hole in the ground. Now he peered inside and saw nothing but darkness and was hesitant to check it out. Now he came back the next day with a lantern shimmied through the hole and found himself in a small cavern. He could see that passageways led to other chambers, and over the summer, Miyamoto kept returning to the cave to explore it further and marvel at the dance of the shadows on the walls. Now, Teabag. He cites this as specifically kind of getting him into the video game realm, that is my understanding, yeah. Like, uh, he's going out in the world and exploring. And just when I heard that story, like, I immediately linked it to, like, Legend of Zelda because most of the time you're crawling into a dungeon or a cave, you're exploring around, you're going back, checking places out. Dancing okay. in caves. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so maybe he's, like, use the cave is, like, the game to him. Like, he's like, I'm going to keep returning to this cave and check out these shadows. That's kind of like a kid can keep coming back to the N64 to play the game. Is that where we're connecting this? I mean, yeah, I could see that. Like, 
I could play Star Fox one time, one day, but then I can go back the next day and play it a completely different way. I can try okay. and beat my high score. So you know what I'm saying? this is where I guess his influence is coming in to make different pathways. Yeah. Yeah. And also this is like, this is sort of reminiscent of the whole Plato thing. If we want to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear it. Because Plato's cave out. <laughs> 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 little rum there, huh? Plato's cave allegory. Daddy's <laughs> empty. How drunk okay, are you right I'm now? pretty drunk. All right, so... <laughs> all right, you guys ready to get serious with some philosophical arguments here? With some... Oh, all right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Please don't do that. I have to cut that. All right, so Plato's cave allegory. Are you guys familiar with this? Somewhat. All right, Rob, explain to us Plato's cave <laughs> allegory. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I cannot tell a lie. Uh, yeah. Um, my understanding, and I'm probably wrong because you know how I did in school. The whole, the cave is like the search for knowledge, right? Or they came out of the cave to find knowledge. Now, it's, okay, guys, it's no secret. Like, we're not philosophers. I took uh, like two philosophy classes in college. Uh, did you guys take any? I took one. Yeah, one. And I got a C in it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so here we go. This is just bare bones. And I know like maybe there's some, there's probably some people who maybe majored in philosophy out there listening that are just like screaming at their devices. But this is just the bare bones from what I understand. So Plato, he comes across this cave, right? And in this cave, there's a bunch of chained up people and they're basically idiots in his allegory. All they see are shadows on the walls from outside the cave. This is their whole reality. They live in there their whole lives. Now, Plato comes in and tries to describe like, hey, these shadows, that's not the real world. There's a whole world out there. And I think in the allegory, they get unchained and they go see the world and it's like just mind shattering. Like they return to the cave because that's what they're comfortable with. And maybe I'm getting that wrong. Don't quote me on that part. I, movie. It's a metaphor for a bunch of stuff, but it, the main thing is like your own reality, your own experiences. Like until you kind of open your mind up to every possibility, this might shatter what you think is reality, i.e. being the shadows versus the whole outside world. But it's also like for forms, like Plato was obsessed with forms, saying that like there can never be like truly perfect forms which is the shadows versus like the real outside world. It's like a whole thing. You know, you can read a bunch of stuff about it. It's a whole allegory. Um, but yeah, anyways, what I guess I'm kind of getting at is Miyamoto. The ca- This is like the cave allegory. The shadows to him are like the video games. He sees them and he's like, every time it's different, like you were saying, T-Bag, and then he creates Star Fox, this whole thing, which every time you play it, it's different. Star Fox is he's creating a whole nother reality, yeah? Mm. You see the connection? You gotta go experience it, yeah. Yeah, do you see the connection, or am I just, like, too many rum and cokes deep? (laughs) I think that's I mean, that's that's not the connection I made, but it makes sense. Okay, and do you guys remember the allegory any different? Uh, Cave allegory, meanings, what do we got? I don't remember it at all, so this is the (laughs) first time of me trying to break it down, but I can see where you're coming from. Makes sense. I think that was a pretty good summary of it. The whole uh, Miyamoto going to the caves experience as maybe his inspiration for making different games that you could have 
alternate endings or mm. have uh, different gameplay, like how in Star Fox you can go to different planets, you can fight different bosses. Same thing in Zelda, you can go, if you go down this cave entrance, you're going to go here. If you go in this entrance, you're going to go to a different spot. I, th- I took it as like that was his whole thing. Not, I, mean, I mean, maybe the cave itself, like, obviously he had to pull inspiration from other places, but maybe that's what he, when he looks back on things, like, that's where it all started for him, like, him even thinking of those concepts, if that makes sense. Okay. So I think we've kind of all said the same sentiment, just in maybe different ways. We might. Might. It's pretty good. I like all of it. Okay. Now, so he's he's doing the whole cave thing. Um, he's having a fucking <laughs> he's having a fucking great summer. Um, and he kind of goes on and on. Now Miyamoto he would go on to earn a degree in industrial design from Kanazawa Kawasaki <laughs> no, Municipal College. Uh, from Kanazawa Municipal College of Industrial Arts. Now industrial design, Rob. Uh, you were a kind of graphics guy. Is industrial design that's like people creating um, like uh, like toasters or like vacuums, like things that are made on like assembly lines? Possibly. Am I, am I wrong in that? I I honestly don't know. I would think that it would be more more like similar to architecture. No, you you were spot on, man. <laughs> Uh, industrial design is a process of design applied to the products that are to be manufactured through techniques of mass production. So he's he would be designing like toasters and shit like that, yeah? <laughs> Whatever they use. Or Nintendo 64s, guess. maybe. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> okay. Uh, now, he briefly considered a career as a professional manga artist. But after being inspired by the classic arcade hit Space Invaders... In a chance meeting arranged by his father in the late 70s, Miyamoto took a position as an apprentice in the planning department of a little company called Nintendo. Now, this I thought was pretty interesting that his dad kind of set this meeting up because his dad must have been a little bit ahead of the curve, yeah? Mm -hmm. Looking out for his son. Yeah, well, not only that, but I feel like most... uh, Japanese families kind of want to push their, like, they're very hard on the youth, trying to get them to become doctors, lawyers, like something they're going to make a lot of money in, yeah? Mm, Yeah. And for his dad to push him into this industry that's, like, very new, he must have kind of known the field a little bit or known that it was going to be a big thing, yeah? Or maybe he just uh, was a cool dad. He wasn't traditional. He was like, hey, you know what? (laughs) This is a cool guy. Why don't you work for him? Go meet him. See what you think. And like we discussed in the Metroid episode, Nintendo wasn't doing so hot at, when they first started out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like he must have had some knowledge of like this is going to be a big thing. Or maybe he thought he was like, hey, Miyamoto, you can turn this shit around. I like Rob's cool dad theory, though. Yeah. I mean, I guess not all Japanese dads are hard on their kids. There's got to be some <laughs> cool ones out there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, obviously Miyamoto's dad is pretty cool. Okay, so... Got him a job at Nintendo. Yeah, now we previously touched on, um, as you were just saying, T-Bag, the struggles facing the video game industry in the early 80s. 
Nintendo, no exception. You know, it's it's got a bunch of unsold units here in the States. It's basically on the verge of financial collapse. Uh, so this young apprentice from Sanobi was tasked with becoming the franchise's savior. Uh, now, that's a lot of pressure to put on a young apprentice. Uh, and <laughs> Look what happened to Anakin. Well, that's true. Now, Don't jump. So, Miyamoto, they're looking to him to save the company. Hey, you know, what do you got? Come on, spit it. We're just spitballing here. Um, so, he creates a certain beloved mustachioed Italian jump man <laughs> known as Mario. Yes. Uh, so, is Mario the Italian Michael Jordan, you'd say? I don't think he can jump as high, but... Yeah, but if you look at how he jumps, he's got like that one arm. He looks like a jump man. He's got his tongue out. He's got the one arm. <laughs> you guys <laughs> ever seen that shirt where it's like Mario with doing the Jordan pose? Play the, play the NES version, dude. He's got his arm up when he's punching. He looks like he's about to dunk a ball. All right. Well, this was all from the brain of Miyamoto, yeah? Yeah. And true. he provided the spark, the juice, the cure, if you will, that both the company and the industry needed. The rest, <laughs> as they say, that's history. So, Miyamoto, birth of Mario. Now, Mario, that's a whole nother episode for another day. Now, it has recently come to light that Miyamoto used to light up and smoke like a chimney uh, in the development offices. And he also had a knack for the pachinko machines, which is, I guess, like a Japanese version of slots. Yeah. Um. Now, I guess we're not out here trying to slander this good man's name, uh, but Rob, I mean, this sounds like your kind of guy, no? Sounds cool to me. Smoking, gambling, fucking drinking. Yeah, now, do we know what he's smoking? Like, when did this recently come to light, and and what do we know? Siggies, dude, Siggies, and I guess that's, like, frowned upon because they want offices and, like, the environment and stuff to be clean. Not back in the 80s. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Now, Siggy's, did those have a little bit of, um, you know, hog's hair in them? Hog's hair. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a little bit of devil's lettuce in these Siggy's? That I don't know. Because I'm thinking if you're coming up with Mario. <laughs> Maybe he was dipping into the mushrooms a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and that too. Because he has got he put in the power up and by the mushroom. we're not talking about shiitake's here. No, we're talking about Amanita muscaria. <laughs> well... Enough on Miyamoto. Let's get into the game. Yes, let's get in. Well, first, before we get into the game, let's get into the genre, I guess. Because what do we got here? I mean, did this give birth to the genre? Did it not? We don't know. We'll get into it. Here we go. Star Fox video (laughs) games tend to be classified as action games. Air quotes. Um, with a vast majority, with a vast majority of titles in the franchise falling under shoot 'em up, shmup. Or STG subgenre. Shmup. <laughs> Is this Reddit? No, they call him Shmup, dude. Yeah, this, that's a fucking Shmup, shmup. game, they say. Um, so it's nerd talk. Yeah, yeah. You know, shoot them up. Shmup. Shoot them up, STG, Shmup. Uh, this is all, <laughs> these are all nerd terms. Um, you know, if your child's using these, texting these might be a nerd. Um, so while there is no, I guess, technical <laughs> consensus as to which design elements constitute a shoot 'em up game, well, because obviously nerds. shooting. Well, we'll get into that, Bob. 
Um, the genre idea, I guess, is that a protagonist combats a large number of enemies uh, by shooting at them while dodging the f- their return fire. Um, now, successes... Or by doing a barrel roll. <laughs> yes. Now, success in these kinds of games relies on the player's reaction time and shooting down anything and everything that moves as quickly as possible. Uh, basic gameplay tends to be relatively straightforward, uh, featuring an overwhelming number of enemy projectiles and patterns a player must learn throughout a level or stage, followed by a final boss battle at the end. Uh, Now, oftentimes, the player can collect quote-unquote power-ups, which may afford the character greater protection, a quote-unquote extra life, or upgraded quote-unquote weapons. Quote-unquote. Now, here you see... (laughs) The carryover from Mario, yeah, because oh, Mario, lots of games, yeah, yeah. I mean, you get you collecting the coins, you're getting even those side-scrolling games when you're collecting coins, power-ups, lives, stuff like that. Um, now, in the shoot 'em up, different weapons are often suited to different enemies, uh, but these games seldom keep track of ammunition. Now, that is a very, a very important factor here. Am I right? Oh yeah. And as such, players tend to fire. Uh, indiscriminately, and their weapons only damage legitimate targets. So this is like playing um, Buzz Lightyear at Disneyland, Disney World, if you've ever been. <laughs> yeah, try to beat my high score on that, bitches. <laughs> yeah. Now, shoot 'em ups are usually categorized by specific design elements, particularly viewpoint and movement. Uh, these categories include bullet hells, run and guns, and rail shooters, which is the style of many Star Fox games. Now, here's a question, T-Bag, because is a shoot 'em up different than a first-person shooter? And I'm honestly asking here. That's a yes. I think the two are kind of interchangeable, where you could have a first-term shooter, a first-person shooter, as well as, an, you know, nerds talk, dude, nerd talk. We could sit here and nitpick semantics all day. Yeah, so let's do it. Let's get into some nerd talk, because <laughs> what I'm thinking is, like, a first-person shooter, again, I'm not a big fan of the genre, like, never was a big fan of Call of Duty, um, but those games are Gold massive. Eye. I mean, GoldenEye, yeah, but again, is that because, like, is a shoot 'em up like, think of something like Space Invaders or even Star Fox, like, it, like we said, it's unlimited ammo, you're just shooting at the enemy targets as they come. But with a game like a game like um, fucking GoldenEye or Call of Duty, like you do have to be concerned about your ammo. That's true. You can't just indiscriminately okay. shoot at everything. So is that the kind of differentiation here? Well, I think the That's differentiation is when you're thinking of like Space Invaders or like Galaga or whatever, that type of thing. Centipede. You're you're just controlling the ship, shooting at whatever's coming your way. First person shooter like <clears throat> drops you in the game a little bit more in depth, and you're like you said, you have to keep track of your ammo, use okay. it sparingly, and you're not like you don't have to kill everything. I mean, you could, but then you run out of ammo quicker. But it's all there's also I think with first person shooters, not as many enemies. Am I wrong in that? I was just saying, like, even a game like Star Fox or some of these later games, we're talking about viewpoint being part of what determines. In Star Fox, if you push the top C button, 
you can make it seem like you're actually in the cockpit or you can change your view to like you're outside behind the, the ship, you know? Yeah. So does that mess with the category at all? Yeah, and I guess what this I'm getting... a crossover. Yeah, well, well, what I'm getting at is would first-person shooter be a subcategory of shoot 'em up I would think so. Okay. I think they're different, but I, I mean, feel like... I'd- I feel like Star Fox kind of crosses over. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying different in the fact of like met you've got metal music and then you've got death metal. So like shoot 'em up is like metal, but then first person <laughs> shooter is like death metal. It's like a genre like that, you know? I guess that's what you're saying. Okay. So, yeah. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Okay, now do we want to get into this whole spiel? Well, like we're talking about with many nerd-related things, even the origins of the subgenre happen to cause debate because there basically tends to be two schools of thought. Some claim that 1962's Space War was not only one of the earliest computer video games, but was also one of the first shoot-'em-ups. Space War features combat between two spacecraft and was originally created by developers at MIT for purely entertainment purposes. The game was later released as an arcade game in the mid to early 70s. In the other camp, we have the supporters of Tomohiro Nishikado's Space Invaders that we talked about earlier. Uh, This game was released in 1978, and it pitted the player against multiple enemies descending from the top of the screen at a constantly increasing rate of speed. Um, I'm sure everybody's played a game, if not Space Invaders, something really similar to it. Uh, the game used alien creatures inspired by the War of the Worlds by one H.G. Wells, who we have previously covered. And if you haven't checked out that episode before, go ahead and give that a listen. Uh, this game was one of the first to popularize the concept of achieving a high score. Uh, Space Invaders really set the template for f- the genre, which is why many give it credit for being the OG shoot 'em up. So again, nerds, we're nitpicking semantics here. Was it Space Invaders? Was it Space War? Yeah, okay. So, and what is the argument, I guess? What is the, I guess, consensus of the argument? Do many people say, like, Space Invaders? Because I would think that's more popular. But again, like, I wasn't alive in that generation. Maybe we ask our parents. I mean, I know Dennis loves Space Invaders. And does he ever mention Space War? No, I'd never even heard of it until I started doing research. Yeah, research I, I've yeah. never heard of it either, so I would say Space Invaders gets the crown just off popularization alone. Now, so we, we're not too familiar with Space Wars, so we don't know what the gameplay is like, because in my head, the way that you just broke it down, it sounds like Pong, except you got two, yeah. two people shooting at each other, <laughs> so that doesn't sound really that fun. Yeah. <laughs> and even with, <laughs> like, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna. Say, I think that's what I read that it was like. I haven't seen footage of it or anything, but then that's that, that's where our debate is. Like, so these guys just made it. They were kind of dicking around at MIT in the labs, and we're like, "Oh, here we can do this to kill time." Is that technically the first game? Are we going by popularity? Are we going by the first game? But still, again, I feel like Space Invaders is on a whole different level where you have. Mm multiple ships coming at you attacking you and you got to like maneuver and be shooting them at the same time the other one's kind of like just out of you and your friend who can kill each other the most kind of thing it's not really (laughs) the same concept if that makes sense yeah that that would be my argument and but at the end of the day like you can see the line from space war to space invaders to star fox because as rob said space war it's two two on two or one on one you know you're just trying to shoot one ship. 
Then you've got Space Invaders, which is 2D, like up and down scrolling game where you're, it's almost like Pac-Man. It's like if Star Fox and Pac-Man melded. Had a baby? Yeah. Had a baby. <laughs> babies met. And then, you know, you go from Space Invaders to Star Fox where you've got the, you're now in view of the ship and you're moving forward shooting at 3D targets. Yeah? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, very interesting, very heavy nerd debate, um, which we could probably get into. We could probably have an entire podcast on just the debating of nerd, um, what do you call it? <laughs> just the debating on nerd um, schematics. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, the line connecting all three is nerds that like space stuff. Yeah. Like your boy T-Bag. Now, some other heavy hitters from the shim-up genre uh, you may be familiar with include Centipede, Galaxian, Asteroids, Tempest, Gradius, R-Type, Space Harrier, Contra, Gunstar, Heroes, and Geometry Wars. Now, just... that one. And this is all just to kind of paint a picture of what we're talking about, what we're working with here with this whole shoot-em-up genre. Take a look at these games, yeah, for the shmup genre. And I believe one of your favorite games, Ryan, UN Squadron. Now, okay, I don't understand why has this become one of my favorite games. I've never played the game. I thought you had a copy of it. I do have a copy of it, but this, again, this was bought. You never played it, though. This was bought, yeah, maybe I'm a shoot-em-up poser, this was bought <laughs> with got it to look cool. No, so I had the Rob had the Super Nintendo. I think we bought at like um, you know one of those secondhand video game nerd shops. Yeah, and cool stuff. Yeah, and um, bought it, and it it came with a couple games, and I think you know they just had this was back before it. Uh, as I said, this was in the sweet spot, like before it became vintage and cool to have, and now they're selling them for like hundreds of dollars. Like, you could go get this shit for pennies on the dollar. And we just got a bunch of game cartridges, and I think UN Squadron just happened to be in there. But it is definitely not one of my favorite games. If anything, I'd say my top three Super Nintendo is Street Fighter II, Mortal Kombat, and Carnage. And maybe Wayne's World. Well, I do apologize. I just you're the only person I've ever seen with a physical copy of the game, and I just assumed it was one of your favorites. So, well, hey, maybe I bring it back when we're all gathered for uh, the celebration of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we do some UN Squadron runs. I like it. Schmucks. 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 (laughs) Little schmup run. With the boys. Okay, so let's get into the I guess Star Fox backstory, the creative process. You know. Uh, because it's early 1990, uh, Nintendo, they begin development on their Super Famicom console, also known as the SNES. SNES. SNES, yes. Now, our boy Miyamoto, um, he's leading this all-star team of R&D and game design talent. Uh, this new group is called the Nintendo EAD. That's short for Entertainment Analysis and Development. Uh, now they're responsible for the creation of some of the first any the first SNES games, which include Super Mario World, Pilot Wings, Sim City, and F Zero. All great games. Now EAD was given about fifteen months to complete these launch titles, with the hopes that these games would be deemed as revolutionary and steal the spotlight from the rival 
Sega's 16-bit Genesis system. Mm. So 1992 comes around, and according to IGN, Nintendo's EAD system started working with Argonaut software to create a 3D chip technology that would be merged into cartridges and would allow the Super Nintendo to display polygons. Now, what the fuck does this nerd talk even mean? (laughs) It means that instead of the gameplay being like two-dimensional, like most games had been up to that point, it could be, there could be like different shapes in the game to make things more realistic. Okay, so this is like... Like when you see, when you see like Like a fucking guy in Zelda running around, he's not just a flat fucking Uh guy with a sword. Like Street Fighter 2 or some of those side-scroller games? Yes. You're getting a full map, a full view. You're in their viewpoint. You can move around in this alternate world. Um, like Sims, yeah? Sims, yes. That's a great yeah. example. Okay, okay. Even Star Fox is a good example. Okay, <laughs> yes. Um, so, Argonaut and EAD tested the technology by making an unnamed 3D spacecraft shooter. Uh, Miyamoto decided to turn the tech demo into a game and came up with the characters and level design, uh, while Argonaut assisted with the 3D programming. Now, from this joint collaboration... Star Fox was born. And upon, like, so if you think of this, like, again, I didn't grow up playing the Super Nintendo version, but I was watching some of the gameplay and stuff, and I I honestly don't think I've even ever played the Super Nintendo version. Yeah, me either. Uh, But I was watching some of the gameplay, and if you, like, upon seeing this now, this actually makes a lot of sense. Like, because, you know, in the 64 version, when you do the training... And it's like that grid below you, and you're just kind of getting used to flying around and stuff. Yes. Like, doesn't that look like something in one of these early 80s movies where they're introducing, like, some new prototype or, like, some training equipment for, like, a military <laughs> test pilot? Like, like if you watch, like, Tron or something, like, Star Fox for Super Nintendo looks like when they're doing, like, a simulation, right? Yeah. I like that. Yeah, like it looks, it does look like it's just a test thing to like see this demo. And that, and then he turned that into a game. So it totally makes sense. Genius, genius. Yeah. Now, Star Fox truly became a revolutionary title for Nintendo, uh, sporting a very different look than, as we were saying, any other game at the time. You know, the EAD team decided to continue work on the FX chip on future Super Nintendo titles, including a second Star Fox game, but this would not be released until well after Super Nintendo's Prime. Uh, Now, unfortunately, there's only a handful of games which utilize the 3D chip technology as the game cost more to manufacture, and Nintendo was already gearing up for the new 64-bit gaming console, the N64. This development in 3D gaming, however, was a huge development a huge advancement for the video game industry in general. Um, as you know, as we were just saying, most video games up to this point were predominantly 2d, you know, you had the side scrollers, uh, just the 2d graphics, like to be able to transition from 2d to 3d. That's a giant fucking leap ahead. Even though when you play them now, it looks like a bunch of squares running around. (laughs) 
Now, suffice to say, Star Fox as we know it wouldn't exist without the Super Effects chip. While many of the game's objects, uh, lasers, asteroids, certain obstacles are rendered in 2D, seeing the enemy ships come at you in 3D is what really made the lasting impression on gamers and kind of opened the developers' eyes as to uh, what was possible for video games in the future. Um, So really... If we think about it, if we boil it down, the OG Star Fox is kind of like Tesla, who we talked about on our last episodes before it's time. Because I'm thinking about this, like I'm looking at some of the old Super Nintendo Star Fox. And if you think about it, that system, like what are some of the greatest games on Super Nintendo? As we said, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter 2, like those are 2D the system just hadn't caught up yet, which is why I think Star Fox 64 is just such a better, it's like light years ahead because you're trying to play this 3D game on a 2D system, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Like Super Nintendo, it just, it couldn't handle that amount of like 3D mapping, you know? And when you get the, and like, because, dude, you remember, like, when we opened the N64 that Christmas and we plug up Goldeneye, we were fucking blown away. <laughs> like, that shit was insane. <laughs> that shit was, like, uh, state of the art. Like, we had never seen anything like it before. You go back and play it now, it's like we said, it's like squares running around. You look at the Super Nintendo version, it's even yeah. worse. It's almost, <laughs> it almost doesn't look 3D because it's so, uh, two-dimensional if that makes sense i got the uh snes classic i can bring up for when we all get together you can play okay yeah definitely because yeah yeah, and we'll get to some of the other games in there and i was interested in that because i was not able to get my hands on on one of those um so so you've got this state-of-the-art technology um it's fucking revolutionary in the gaming industry now star fox as developed by ead and argonaut was released to the public in 1993 on the super nintendo and this introduced the world to the star fox team fox mcleod slippy toad peppy hair and falco lombardi now the mission of this team is simple Save the Lilat system from the clutches of the evil Andros. Uh, now, players take control of Fox's R-wing spacecraft, navigating through levels, which are different planets, and defeating enemy craft and bosses along the way. Now, while level layout is slightly linear and pretty straightforward for the most part, players can make choices, take certain actions during the course of play, which impacts the game's difficulty determines which six planet levels the player sees during their adventures. Now, every playthrough starts on the planet Corneria and ends with a showdown on Andross's homeworld of Venom. And this is not where the symbiotes are from. Now, true to shim-up form, uh, <laughs> players can collect various power-ups, lasers, bombs, health, extra lives, yada yada, during their journey, and score slash kill count is accumulated throughout. Now, to help promote the game, Nintendo held the Super Star Fox Weekend competition, where players attempted to accumulate the highest in-game score within a four-minute time limit. 
Winners of the competition earned trips around the world, pins, and badass commemorative, and a badass commemorative flight jacket. Which I just saw the other day go for around 900 bucks. So if anybody has one or finds one in a size large, you can go ahead and send that to your boy T-Bag. Now, so this is cool. This is kind of like the, remember in our Star Wars episode, we talked about the uh, film crew Empire Strikes Back jackets? Mm, yep. And Badass. not long after we talked about that, re-release. Columbia re-released them for like 500 bucks a pop and they sold out instantly. Now, did you ever get your hands on one of those? I did not, but I was I was going to check eBay. Um I heard there a rumor that they're going to sell some replica ones at uh Disneyland Disney World whenever the Star Wars land pops back open. Okay, okay. Uh, now I got to get my hands on one of those and maybe we make some bootleg versions of this Star Fox. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking how we did the uh, Rick and Morty ripoff. We do a Star Fox ripoff. It's all Ooh. it's all three of us. Maybe you got a couple R-Wing fighters flying around. Okay, badass. Blowing up yeah. monkeys. Blowing up some monkeys. <laughs> right? Because aren't all the bad guys fucking monkeys? Yeah. I believe okay. so. Which is hilarious. Now... This guy hated... Miyamoto hated monkeys. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> Uh, Had a bad experience with one in a cave. So they've got this, uh, they've got this fucking, they've got this event. This is a huge success. Uh, and before the game was even officially released for sale in stores, pre-orders exceeded 1.7 million copies. Now that's a lot for back then. Uh, I mean, I'd say that's even a lot by today's standards. Now, in order to keep up with the demand, Nintendo shipped a million cartridges on the game's opening weekend, having to drop some of them to stores via parachute. Now, is this true? That's what I read, man. That sounds like a very 90s thing to do. That does. Now, I was looking this up because I was curious. So, original price of the console and game. Uh, because, like, dude, again, I think we've talked about this before. This stuff was more expensive than I remember. <laughs> Yeah. A Super Nintendo, which released in 1991, was retailed for $199. So that's 200 bucks. How much is the PS5 that just came out? Fuck, dude. Yeah. PS5 is like 500 bucks, 600 bucks, isn't it? I think it's like 500 yeah. That's insane, dude. But what was the value, like, you know, the price point at that time? Is that comparable to today? Like, what's 200 bucks in 90s? I don't know. All I know is I got my PS4 Black Friday 159. And I, and I got NHL with it for free. Can't argue with that. Okay, that's so two, $200 in 1991, that's like $382 in today's money. Still cheaper than the PS5. So, uh, But yeah. almost similar. And then also the, the Star Fox cartridge. Like Again, I couldn't find this. Like I couldn't find... I couldn't find retail of the cartridge, but I did find this old Star Fox 64 ad, which you, I guess, could pay for, and you got a free hat, and it was $59.99. Video game prices just never change. <laughs> yeah, so, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Jesus Christ. So it was like 60 bucks for a fucking game, You're which like, is fuck crazy. It, 60 bucks is the standard. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, right? I yeah. mean, that's, how much, that's why I buy my fucking games on Black Friday, baby. 
<laughs> okay, very smart. Well, imagine being a kid too, like wanting to go buy this. How are you gonna have sixty bucks laying around? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, dude, you have to beg your parents. <laughs> now, now I know why my mom only got us two fucking games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but like, if you go back, there's some videos out there, like kids opening up their Nintendos and Super Nintendos, and like just being so grateful. Like, there, there's a kid, like kid gets a Super Nintendo and starts crying or something like that. And it's like if I had a kid today and I was buying him, like I've I've seen it with like my nieces and nephews and stuff. They could get a video game system and just be like, eh. But like, dude, back in the eighties and nineties, when you got this, like when you guys got your Nintendo sixty four, I bet you were so hyped on it. I know I was when I got mine. Yeah, I mean, this was also like you got to think this was cutting edge technology. Like, mm-hmm. like this this had never nothing had ever been released by this now, kids are jaded to this shit now they've got yeah they've got they've always had these games available to them yeah <laughs> not only that <laughs> but they've got like six times as much computing power in their fucking smartphones yeah they can sit and download an app that looks light years ahead of anything on the N64 you could play these games, some of these games on your phone <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah kids yeah. just don't know how good they fucking got it and that's what every generation says and maybe that's fucking true um now let's get so speaking of n64 let's get into star fox 64 because so a sequel to the hit game star fox 2 was completed and set to be released on the super nintendo in 95 but this was ultimately scrapped as miyamoto expressed a desire to utilize the advanced technology of the upcoming Nintendo gaming system before releasing a new Star Fox game. So instead, 97, uh, the video game community was graced with the official second entry in the Star Fox franchise on the Nintendo 64. Thus, we get Star Fox 64. Uh, This had all the elements of the original intended for Star Fox 2 into the gameplay, including character including charged lasers, all-range mode, and the antagonistic Star Wolf, who's badass with the eye patch. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the game also gave us a multiplayer versus mode, new combat vehicles in the form of the Landmaster tank, and the Blue Marine submarine. Uh, voice acting and the opportunity to earn medals for completing objectives and obtaining certain kill counts during levels, uh, which also unlocked an expert mode version of the game. Very difficult, by the way. Oh, yeah. One thing I also learned while doing research was that this game came bundled with Nintendo's new Rumble Pack. Like, I didn't know that. I, I know I bought my Rumble Pack separately. Um, for those of you that don't know, this was a device that you had to plug into the back of your Nintendo 64 controller, and it would provide quote-unquote feedback to the player via vibrations in select situations during gameplay, such as when firing a weapon or receiving damage, to further immerse the player in the game. Did you guys have the Rumble Pack when you were growing up? We did, I believe. I do not think we did. I think we did. I don't think so. But also, hey, hey. did you know this was the first game to be compatible with Rumble Pack? See, I did not. Like, I, I bought a Rumble Pack, like, separately. I think it wasn't even an official Nintendo one to play with Ocarina of Time. Didn't even know it was compatible with Star Fox. I played all these years without a Rumble Pack. Yeah, but see, nowadays, it's like you get a that's PlayStation, standard. and that's yeah. just normal. That's it in the in controller. Your controller. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, again, was this kind of seeing Nintendo and Star Fox specifically push the limits as to what was possible? I mean, as you were just saying, like, this is standard practice now, and you just said this was the first game. So Star Fox laid the groundwork to what is a standard fucking industry practice mm. nowadays? Mm. Well, I think everyone just, you know, you just kind of keep building off of what's the next thing, you know? Like, this guy took it to a new level with Star Fox, and then everyone else kind of just ran with it. And the Rumble Pack, apparently. Because you, you got the PS4, right? Yep. I do. Your controller just vibrates, right? You probably never even think twice about it. Yeah. I think it was like that on regular PlayStation 2. I too, think no? it was even like that on Xbox One. Yeah. Right? Or, I mean, sounds- Xbox, like the... Is Xbox that- 360. Also, Xbox, like the original first xbox wasn't it all standard mm, on there maybe i don't recall. I think so i swear i remember playing halo, halo. halo. That. yeah yeah um okay there we go now as always you know some cynics are critical assholes they write off this rumble pack is like they say quote unquote it's cute or gimmicky so some critics i guess were saying this is just stupid but now it's become well, standard practice they didn't think of it first uh, do we think that's what it is <laughs> Yes, because like, look at every, it's like mm. virtually across every platform of gaming that's pretty much standard now. Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, all of them got that in their controllers. Am I right? You are right. So we're the saying Nintendo Switch, the PlayStation Five, Xbox, whatever the fuck they're calling it now. So not a gimmick. This is now an industry standard. This is correct. Uh, okay, so that along with new technology, fast pace action, the 3D graphics, we got tributes to Star Wars, Gundam, Independence Day. These all helped make this installment of Star Fox the second best-selling video game of 97. And just what do we think was number one? Ooh, 97? Yep. 97. Star Fox coming in at number two, highest selling. What do we think is number one? Super Smash Bros. Not too early. I think that's Mario Kart. Yep, Mario Kart, number one selling game of 97. That was a good year, though, because GoldenEye came out in 97, Diddy Kong Racing 97. I mean, yeah, we got mm. the N64 in 97, so uh, yeah, yeah, all yeah. of those games. But uh, All of the year. Now, <clears throat> so it's the second highest game of 90, second highest selling game of 97, and the 54th greatest video game of all time, according to Guinness World Records. Um, now, a remake of the game was also released for Nintendo 3DS in 2011. Now, I want to go back a little bit because we've got, as we said, this game has tributes to Star Wars, Gundam, and Independence Day. Now, T-Bag, big Star Fox guy here. Can we name those references? Oh, man, the Gundam reference, I know... I think it's in the second level, Sector Y. And you just see a whole bunch of mobile suits. You got to go through a fleet and blow them all up. Independence Day. What's the level? Katana, where you meet Bill for the first time. And there's a giant alien craft that hovers over a pyramid-looking building. You got to blow up the ship, destroy craft, keep this, the area safe. Okay, classic, classic. I'm not going to lie. I forget the Star Wars reference. Is there is there an ice planet? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, similar to that of Hoth, right? Yeah, and you got to blow up the base before, yeah. You got to save the base before they blow it up. Yeah, that's what it is. So there you go. 
now in the now I pulled some numbers here. So in the first five days of the game's U.S. launch, more than three hundred thousand copies were sold, surpassing the record previously held by Mario Kart Mario Kart sixty four <laughs> and Super Mario sixty four. Uh, it sold above one million units in the United States by the end of ninety seven which is one of five Nintendo 64 games to do so. Can you guys name all five? Ooh. All five Nintendo 64 games to sell a million or more units in 1997. What do we got? Well, we already named Mario Kart, Star Fox, and Goldeneye. Those are in there. Adam, finish it off. I'm trying, like I said, the only game are we talking about games that came out specifically in '97? Yes, that would that would require them to make <sighs> over a million sales by the end of '97. <laughs> okay, well, I didn't know if it included games from like '96 or anything. Um, we got Star Fox, Goldeneye, Mario Kart. I don't think Diddy Diddy Kong Racing was that popular. Yep, That's Diddy Kong Racing. Oh wow! And Mario '64. That came out in 97? Yep. Bet your sweet Whoa. ass. So there okay. we go. You guys taught old teabag a thing or two. Have to throw this in there. This iteration of the game has arguably one of the most quotable moments from video game history. And that would be... Do a barrel roll! Uh, so yeah, go ahead and do it. This will be our Just Google It. Uh, Google do a barrel roll. Uh, and let us know what happens. What about the other Google that we had lined up? Yeah, we can also do that as well. The uh, go, go ahead and Google uh, or YouTube Star Fox 64 Ligma. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 so let's get into this barrel roll because we say this is like arguably one of the most quoted lines from video games. We say. But this was not a thing when the video game came out, Yes. I mean, because I like Peppy says it right. Peppy, that he was a rabbit, or correct, a hare. Peppy hare, yeah. I always thought he was a donkey. Yeah, I thought he was a, a jackass <laughs> too. Uh, so Peppy hare. That's Slippy. He's definitely a jackass. Yeah. So Peppy hare uh, isn't Slippy a girl? Or well, I don't know. Maybe gender fluid. Yeah, frog, dude. <laughs> anyway, so so barrel roll. Let like let's get into this because this kind of became a meme, right? Like, th- it yeah. didn't become a thing until it became a meme in, like, maybe mid-2000s or, like, 2007, 2008-ish. I don't know my meme history that well. Because I was looking up, like, I, but it, obviously you know of, like, do a barrel roll in the meme world. Well, yeah. And did you guys also know this was, like, a thing on Tom Green would constantly get prank called on his show and they would tell him <laughs> to do a barrel roll? What? Yeah, apparently, like on Tom Green's show, that remember how he ran like the whole network out of his house and had people call in. Yeah, the Tom I, Green show. I seen the interview where he was talking about it because I was looking up funny stuff. For yeah, this, and there's but a I didn't get the reference. There's a bunch like there's one that's like famous on YouTube, and he's like, "Can you do a barrel roll?" And I think they're using like a soundboard from Star Fox, and he's like, "A barrel roll," and they're like, "Yeah, do a barrel roll," and they keep saying it. And then there's also ones where he gets pissed off, but he even still says to this day, people will shout, do a barrel roll to him. 
So I think it originated with, or it became popularized with Tom Green. And then it's a classic meme on like 4chan and all those fucking, and like Reddit and shit. Like you'll see like a helicopter about to crash like upside down and then they'll put like do a barrel roll, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like how else is it used? I mean, I only know it from the game and I remember, I think it was my sister who like heard it and thought it was the funniest thing ever. So she like ran around the house saying, do a barrel roll. So she was really like a meme before memes were popular. I guess. There we go. Um, so, I mean, like, do we want to get into, I guess, some of the other iterations of the game? Because, again, like, I have not played a lot of these because GameCube era was a little bit after my time. I also never had a GameCube. That's false. I never had a GameCube. I'm pretty sure you did. I thought you did too, man. No, and some Co- Axe body spray. No, Cody Mosh did. Oh, yeah. He probably brought it over and y'all played. Yeah. Young Cody Ramirez. Shout out to him if he's listening. Uh, used to always play GameCube over at his house. I never had a GameCube, though. Moms couldn't afford it. Uh, so GameCube era, you know, we saw the shift um, in both space. And then we get some on-foot action in this franchise. You got 2002 Star Fox Adventures. Um, so Fox McCloud is, uh, he's armed with a staff. He squares off against dinosaurs, um, also known as sharp claws in this game. Which is a transition from fighting against monkeys, right? Yeah, I guess. Is this a uh, Land Before Time reference? (laughs) (laughs) I really don't know. I mean, I, I don't have too much experience with this game. I think I played it once with Ivan because he had a GameCube and he would like carry it with him everywhere. But he wouldn't actually let me play. Ivan so. said it was cool. And then you guys just went and laid out in the street? <laughs> that was all him, <laughs> man. Uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't played this game before, uh, Fox gets a girlfriend, and he's forced to let her join his boys club, which is an unfortunate lesson we witnessed years prior in the cinematic masterpiece, The Little Rascals, when Alfalfa tries to bring Darla to the club. Now, okay, 64 didn't they already have a girl in the club with uh the frog i don't think the frog but they had a the frog is a female dude i don't think so dude the voice actor is a female doesn't mean that doesn't mean anything they have uh the voice for vart simpson is a woman and tommy pickles gender fluid that's true (laughs) but it sounds like a girl like even as i was a kid i always thought the frog was a girl yeah you guys didn't? Really? You thought this was just another boy? I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a dude. Just a bunch of dudes. <laughs> like a little brother. I mean, I guess who are we to assume gender of this toad? Frog. Come on. But technically, there was a character named Cat in Star Fox 64. Okay. Okay. Hey. Cat Mom? Now, with this, with this gameplay, I guess, um, uh, the GameCube version, you know, you move from like... Zelda style into shoot 'em up like it, no, no, shmup. no, reverse, reverse, reverse. You nice. move, uh, so yeah. I mean, you can go back and forth, yeah. I believe so, but this is the first time we really get to see Fox pop into this Zelda style where it's 3D and you're beating enemies up with a weapon instead of shooting them down with your R wing. Okay, and this is also the last console game developed by Rare, a.k.a. Rareware, a.k.a. Rare Limited. A.k.a. shout out very rare. Uh, <laughs> yes, now as a... That, so 
The company would go on to become a first-party developer for Microsoft instead. Well, this was the same company that played a large part in developing games like Perfect Dark, Classic, Jet Force Gemini, Classic, the aforementioned Diddy Kong Racing, and the Conqueror series, which I never got to play because it was rated M. So then we get 2004 uh, Star Fox Assault. This allowed players to complete levels in the in the R-Wing, uh, the Landmaster, or on foot. So you got the best of three worlds, as they say. Um, some even allow the player to hop in and out of the R-Wing at will. So this was like Tony Hawk being able to get off your skateboard and shit. <laughs> yeah. And I think you got to choose, like, at the beginning of the level, oh, do I want to take the R-Wing, do I want to take the Landmaster, or do I want to go on foot? So you got great replay value there. Okay, very cool, very cool. Now, uh, also opposed to the Dinosaurs or Androsses uh, and Andros and his minions, uh, this time Star Fox Squad faces off against a race of cybernetic insectoid creatures called Aperoids, in addition to a revamped Star Wolf team. Uh, this installment does showcase a return to the shoot 'em up, uh, run and gun roots of the Super Nintendo slash Nintendo 64 Star Fox days. So you basically go back to button mashing and blowing away as many of these hive mind creatures as you can in an effort to once again save the Lilat system. Um, you guys ever fuck with this one or not? No, as I said, never played this one. This was also for GameCube, yes? Yes, sir. Fox Assault. Yeah, so Fox Assault, have to look that one up. Uh, It also should be noted that this game has been described by critics as, quote, less for the Mario Club crowd and more for the hardcore gamer. Whatever that means. Uh, So is that like, I guess, what they're getting at with that is this is... uh, would we say maybe kind of more like Metroid? Mm. Nah, not this one. I, I think Metroid might be closer to Adventures, but I feel like this one... I think the story gets a little darker from what I understand. Okay, so I see what you're saying with the Metroid. Yeah, like don't you yeah, remember yeah. Metroid on the GameCube? Yeah. Like yeah, there was okay. way more stuff you could do within that universe of, of Metroid, I guess, is what I'm getting at. I think what yeah, they're saying that. here is you're not hardcore unless you live <laughs> hardcore. Yeah, you know, again, this isn't fun in the sun. This isn't Mario fucking collecting coins and eating mushrooms. This is this is Star Fox and his pals blasting away these insidious hive mind creatures. Yes, it's getting dark. Trying to save their planet, yeah. Yeah, don't in other words, don't maybe don't take mushrooms and play this game. Or do. <laughs> okay. Let us know how it goes. Um, so, you know, then again, 2006, we get Star Fox Command. Um, first Star Fox game for a handheld console, as well as the first to feature online multiplayer compatibility. Uh, it also contains elements of traditional shoot 'em up games, uh, and it was also turn-based. So is this, like, similar to the board game Risk, in a sense? <laughs> That was my my uh, takeaway perception of it, if you will. Like, if it was your turn, you could like click on a planet and you would go attack it, and then the and then I, yeah, yeah, then the enemy would go. Okay, and online, and I'm thinking this is more similar to those stupid apps you always see commercials <laughs> for. You know, 
<laughs> okay. Like I build your kingdom and attack your enemies, you know, and it's like stupid, like, uh, what is one of those games called? You know what I'm talking about? I always see the commercials. And I'm like, how do these games make this much money? It's a stupid like classic app. Killians. Yes. Yes. Oh, stuff the, like yeah. that. And you like make I, a farm and then you make a castle and then you attack other people. You know what I'm talking about? Almost like Warcraft in a sense. But I think with this one, the difference is like after you choose the planet, like you take control and you got, you're like actually fighting. You're in charge of the combat. Okay. Like a regular Star Fox game. So almost a combination of those, if you will. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, again, never played that one, but check it out if you get the chance. Now uh, Now we get into, uh, so we mentioned, re-release of Star Fox 64 to the 3DS in 2011, um, but we wouldn't get a true new Star Fox game after Command until 2016 when the Wii U gave us Star Fox Zero. Uh, this came bundled together with Star Fox Guard, and SF-Zero was basically a glorified Star Fox 64. You get new missions, you get new vehicles, uh, and then Guard is basically, hence the name, a tower defense spinoff game with Star Fox characters. Now, is this compatible with the Wii that we have? Because that would be pretty tight to check. To maybe, you know, stop by the old GameStop. Or maybe even a thrift store. I don't know. Is Wii U different than just the straight up Wii? It is. I don't know if they're backwards compatible or not, but it's the it's a whole different system. You could check. Well, I have to I'll have to look into that. Um, you know, because I got the Wii out here, so maybe uh pick up some Star Fox games um and check it out. For only a hundred bucks from GameStop, even though it's uh ten years old. Still cheaper than the original Super Nintendo back in the day. Now, have you, have, have any of you, or have you, I guess, T-Bag played this Wii U version? I have not. I've just seen uh, footage of it, but it looks pretty much just like a revamped Star Fox 64. Just have you ever with... played a Wii U? I have not, but I'm planning on getting one just to play these games. <laughs> now, you would get a, well, do you have a Switch? Uh, I think I'm getting one very soon for the holidays, if you will. Okay. Santa Claus is bringing now. One see, I would just, guy. I would just go it, Wii Switch over the, or I would just go Switch over the Wii U. I think the thing is, I don't know. I know you can get a bunch of games in the Switch shop, but I don't know if they have Wii U games on the Switch. I want to play these Star Fox games. Well, yeah. they have a bunch of Star Fox games on Switch, and I think they also have Commander Keen on Switch. <laughs> okay, Ooh, so right, you gotta right. fucking get that. All right. So, uh, again, as we mentioned earlier, a sequel to the Super Nintendo Star Fox game was completed, but ultimately canceled. Now, we talked about Nintendo wanting to wait for the release of the N64, uh, but, you know, coupled with high production costs of Super Nintendo's games, the FX chip, as well as some internal development problems, boom, you find yourself in a developer's hell. Uh, Now, lead programmer Dylan Cuthbert uh, who is not butthurt at all, had this to say, quote, The reason for the non-release was that the impending Nintendo 64, which of course intended to be released a lot sooner than it actually was, Miyamoto-san decided he wanted to have a clean break between 3D games on the SNES and 3D games on the new superior 64-bit system. In retrospect, he could have just released Star Fox 2 and there wouldn't have been over a year and a half before N64 came out. But hindsight is always 2020. Okay, yeah, so the game simply called Star Fox 2. This would kind of sit on the shelf for four years. 
Uh, now, this was actually leaked to the public via the internet in 1999, and this was just a demo of what could have been. It's like a mixtape back in the day, getting leaked. See, I, I saw it more of like a revenge porn kind of thing. They're like, hey, we got this product. Oh. You didn't want to shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, so to kind of get back at Nintendo, they released it out to the public. Exactly. Like, this is what they did. This is how they got Deadpool funded. Mm. They said, because they had kind of like a thing, they had like that opening sequence when he's on the highway filmed, and they were yeah. like, and that was shelved. Like, they were like, yeah, we're not really into this, like, rated our superhero movie. And then they released it to the public, and everybody was like, we need to see this. And then it got greenlit because Sony was mm. like, okay, fuck yeah, there's, <laughs> there's this much buzz about it. Yeah, we'll go ahead and make that. Uh, so similar situation, like you're thinking maybe obviously someone in Nintendo had to leak this. Maybe right. it was this nerd himself whose butt hurt about his game. <laughs> Probably was old Dildo himself. Yeah. Uh, so between 2000, 2004, internet nerds basically joined forces. They essentially create a fully playable version of this game. Uh, they also translated into English, uh, fixed some bugs, and from this, of course, several ROMs and emulators of the game would appear. And for the most part, these nerds seem to have patched together pretty much what the original game was going to be. Um, so they were spot on with their patchwork. Uh, now, I think Nintendo, essentially, just like Sony, they realized the potential here. Like, hey, we could profit off this. It's just been collecting dusk. It's already fucking completed. Let's release it. Let's sell it to these nerds. Um, so as a part of the Super NES Classic Edition that was released in 2017 and was nearly impossible to get. That's impossible. You know, this was the tiny console. Now, T-Bag, you were saying you have one of these? I do. Okay, now where'd you get your hands on this? One of the uh, stores in the mall. Came out for Christmas in Carolina. They had the guy was like, "Hey, you're getting a Super Nintendo. Do you want the NES Classic too?" And I said, "Nah." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, I mean, this came out as basically just a little console. It's got 21 different games already loaded on it, right? And yep. um, Star Fox Two was unlockable after beating the first stage of the original Star Fox game on the console. Now, you played this? I have. The game plays out a little closer to Star Fox Command than it does many of the other games in the series. Uh, you you get to choose two characters and you kind of move your ship to different planets. And then as soon as you select a planet or run into an enemy ship, you engage in combat. Uh, the objective of the game, though, is to destroy all the enemy forces to de- while defending the planet Corneria. And that's pretty much the gist of it. So it's more uh, about defending the main planet than it is moving throughout the galaxy? Yeah, like, well, you're defending different planets that the enemy chooses to attack, or if you attack all their ships and blow them up before they blow up your guys, you win. Okay. I wasn't, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You guys haven't played this one, you said, though? No, I I have not. I've been looking at trying to get one of these, but there's so many, like, uh, again, I'm not really too versed in, like, video game shit, but... There's so many like ripoffs, you know? Oh, yeah. Like you can go on eBay and buy like a third party version of this, which I would assume has all the original games, but I don't know if I'm going to be getting gypped with that, you know? Mm. 
This guy just sits back and plays some Red Dead Redemption, brother. Yeah, I've been playing. Uh, actually, lately, what I've been, I just ordered Mortal Kombat 11, which I'm excited nice. about. Mm. Uh, so I'll whoop any of your asses in that. Not with so <laughs> zero, and, bitch. Uh, I tried to get my hands on the Supreme Mortal Kombat cabinet, of which was did. about 600 bucks, but I did not wake up in time. And just, uh, here's a cheat. You just get the regular one and I'll just uh, throw some Supreme graphics. <laughs> on yeah, uh, dude, honestly, I've been thinking about getting a cabinet now, which like, are we thinking Mortal Kombat Street Fighter 2 or a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would be the best cabinet to have? Ooh. Like a straight up uh, visual, arcade cabinet. Visually, the, the Turtles, but play wise, yeah. I would have to go Mortal Kombat. I agree there. You would agree Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2? Yeah, but I do think the turtles the, would be the sick. The turtles would visually. look sick, though. So eventually, yeah. maybe we just get all three. Fuck it. Okay, all three. Yeah, and you're paying for these. <laughs> we each buy. <laughs> we each buy one. Put it in the studio. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've only got space for one. Oh, when we have a bigger studio. I okay, think. that's wonderful. Um, <laughs> okay, so now uh, let's get into, I guess, some upcoming related, some canceled games, uh, because as far as the future of Star Fox. Uh, rumors have been swirling, they've been circling, uh, and these regard a Star Fox racing game. Now, you guys heard of this? I heard of I've it. I've heard, but... yeah, heard it. But and so what are we played. thinking? I'm thinking this would be similar to, like, the N64 pod racing. Ooh. That would be sick, actually. Right? I, yeah. I, dude, that's one of the best N64 games, and I'd say kind of underrated. Yeah. Pod racing, like... Racing games in general are fucking awesome. I like them better than first-person shooters, I'd say. But specifically, Star Fox racing would be kind of cool. Like N64, but Star Fox. Or like Mario Kart 64, but Star Fox. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. So we've also got the import of Star Fox Zero on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, But so far, neither of these have come to fruition at the time we are recording this. Um, but we have seen the Star Fox squad make appearances in other video games, such as in Super Smash Bros., uh, Super Mario Maker, and WarioWare series. Uh, and most recently in the Starlink Battle for Atlas game, uh, where you can play as characters and pilot ships from the Star Fox franchise. Now, is that the, like, um, is that like a... Uh, what do you call it? Like a a crack or like a cheat type thing? I think it's you know how the games now like you can buy like characters, like like figures of the characters, and then you get them in the game. And this you know is what I'm talking about yeah yeah like Fortnite and shit. I don't know about Fortnite. I don't know enough, but I think for like some of these uh sm- like the newer Smash Brother games, you could go to Walmart in the video game aisle. They got it looks like action figures. And you can like somehow plug them into your controller, or you get a code or something with them, and then you can use those characters in the game. And I, I, but I also saw something on because I was like looking at a bunch of gameplay on YouTube, and I saw one where it's like a Zelda game where you can basically like you have to re go in and like rewrite code, and they had this whole like how to do it, and you can basically stop fly around in a fucking uh, R wing in Zelda. Oh, wow. Is that not what you're talking about here? You're talking about for the Starlink Battle for Atlas game? I do not remember what the Zelda game was called. Again, not a big Zelda guy, but... Oh, man. 
What are we thinking? Is that the I, same I, or different? I don't know anything about that, but this Battle for Atlas game, yeah, you like you can buy different ships and like you build them together. You can put them together however you want, and then it shows up in the game. So it's like you buy the action figures of these different ships, and you can take different parts from each one and build it, and somehow the game puts it into the game, and you're playing, and you're going planet to planet doing different missions and stuff. It looks like a sick game. Uh, there was also apparently a Star Fox game watch. You guys remember those back in the early 90s? I Just do the not game watches so. in general? I do. Come yeah, in a cereal okay, box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're old enough to appreciate them like me. But yeah, there was a Star Fox one you could get from Kellogg's if you ate enough cornflakes and you sent in an order form with some cash. And if you have one of those, go ahead and send that to your boy T-Bag too. Now, you looked for e- this on eBay or no? I did not. Is this similar to the decoder? <laughs> Drink your Ovaltine? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the game is crappy, but... It's Star Fox, baby. Vintage Star Fox. Uh, Yeah, I guess there was also a planned release uh, for the Virtual Boy. (laughs) Which Is that like the um, virtual reality type shit? Yeah, but like from what I remember of it, like you had your like Game Boy or the system on like a tripod and you wore these big old scuba goggle looking things and everything was red. It's looking like we were talking about earlier. Like stuff that you would see in like the early eighties or late eighties and nineties video games, like the uh, Star Wars uh, combat system. You know what I'm talking about. When did the Virtual Boy come out? Oh man, I'm pretty sure it was early nineties, early to mid nineties. What happened to that boy? <laughs> it just sucked. So they put a clap into that boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, it's going for five hundred dollars now. The Virtual Boy. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember there <laughs> being a lot of games for it. That yeah. sounds a little naughty. <laughs> I think, again, it was was that also, I think, something before its time. Because if you're releasing oh, VR yeah. in the early 90s, like it's just not going to hit the same, yeah? Right, right. Okay, so, I mean, let's get into some of the comics, and we'll get into a little film discussion before we round this one out. Yeah, so before the original 93 game was even released, uh, Star Fox first made a start as a comic book series, you know, trying to get everybody on the hype train. Uh, Now, the comic strip was illustrated by Benimuro Ito and uh, printed in Nintendo Power issue 45 to 55. Basically, you know, details the events of the first video game. Uh, There's a few one-issue Star Fox comics in Japanese magazines regarding the 93 game, uh, but most notably one by Tako Aoki, uh, who would later go on to illustrate the Beyblade manga series. So check that out if it was or still is your thing. Who knows? Um, Now, we also see a few comics relating to the events immediately following Star Fox 64 in Germany and Japan. The Club Nintendo magazine comic basically retold the game storyline in the German version of the magazine. uh, And a Japanese manga titled Star Fox Farewell Beloved Falco, uh, which picks up in the aftermath of Star Fox 64 and leads us right up to the beginning of Star Fox Adventures. Yeah, so the Japanese versions of this look pretty cool, but I'm not sure if the English translations I've seen of the comic are accurate at all. Now, is this because the English, it just doesn't make sense? You've read these? You've taken a glance I've, at them? 
taking a glance online and, and it's like you know how in like the old Japanese movies like we talked about on Godzilla where sounds like they're saying one thing but their mouth keeps moving? That's kind of the impression that I got here. It just doesn't make sense at all. He typed it into Google Translate and it started talking about a lot of virtual boy stuff. <laughs> and it kind of just turned him off. Not my thing. <laughs> all right. Well, well, maybe that's not your thing. So in January of just this year, uh, Gary Witta tweeted out, Quote, I want to write this animated movie uh, with a drip of Star Fox fan art attached. Now, a drip? It's an art thing. You should know. Just a drip, baby. Drip, drip. You might be familiar. Drip, drop. You might be familiar with Gary Witta. Uh, he was a screenwriter for Rogue One. Also worked on projects like Star Wars Rebels and The Book of Eli. Uh, now, in the video game world, he also helped on such titles as Duke Nukem Forever and Gears of War. Mm. So uh, it's not like the guy is is coming into new territory. You know, he kind of knows his place. He knows the video game realm. Uh, now, maybe he worked on some trash projects in the past, but that's neither here nor there. Hey, Book of Eli was, I wouldn't say trash, and Rogue One was a fucking masterpiece. Oh, agreed there. Uh, so I would say, I would trust this guy with an animated Star Fox. Okay. Uh, okay. And, and, and I mean, we've talked about video games being turned into movies in the past, our Metroid episode. I mean, what do you guys think of Star Fox? Would you like to see something like this? Would you see a movie made? I mean, <laughs> maybe not live action. Oh, see that when you showed us that, uh, that fantastic Mr. 90s. Fox style. Yeah, dude. I was like, yo, that'd be sick. Looking all like Muppets and stuff. Okay. So we want to see a Wes Anderson directing <laughs> yes. of a <laughs> Tim Burton, uh, claymation style version yes. of Star Fox. That's what I want to see. <laughs> okay. We need to come to Wes with this and say, Wes, loved your work on Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> Here's another Fox you might love. <laughs> uh, I you think that'd be, be great. Into it. Now, we're thinking movie or series? I could see an animated series on Netflix, but the movie's got to be. I feel like movie's easier given yeah. that there's not too much background on these guys. You'd have to like create a whole Lore development for every character. You know what the I mean? Origin story. That'd be sick, dude. Okay. Movie, you can just throw cool. a couple of frogs in there, a couple of foxes, a <laughs> couple see, of hares. I feel like if Hollywood ever got their hands on some screenplay, it would turn out to be like that fucking god-awful version of Cats. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be like Star Fox. And it would be something like... It would be something that has just like a massive, insane budget, and it's going to be... Like, I feel like this is always the case with video game movies. Like, they get some insane budget, and they're like... The video game is popular. The movie's going to be insane, and it just falls flat on its face, and just, you, everybody hates it. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen a good video game movie? I, again, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I think we would. I would say some of the Resident Evil movies are not bad, but some of them They're are god good. awful. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> uh, again, <laughs> yeah. Terrible. I mean, what do you I, like? I guess Resident Evil maybe would be the best version. But Silent Hill. Silent Hill was good. Yeah, it wasn't bad, but again, like the first one. I mean, not the other yeah. one that they did. I mean, yeah, uh, video game movies is it is something that's hard a, to do. It's a tough cookie to crumble. Yes. <laughs> 
I guess. Yeah. Tough egg to crack. Yeah, tough omelet to make. Tough titty. Tough donut to fill. What else we got? It's a tough yeah. cake to cut. <laughs> yeah, so let us know if you'd like to see a movie of this. If you got any ideas, maybe you want to write a screenplay with us. Um, and before we close this one out, I want to pay tribute to Rick May, the man who provided the voice for Peppy Hair and Andros in Star Fox 64. Um, he suffered from a stroke earlier this year and contracted COVID while recording, while recovering <laughs> at, while recovering at a nursing home. Uh, now, sadly, this gentleman passed away in the hospital at the age of 79. Uh, so pour one out for him. R.I.P. Uh, now, outside of voice acting, Rick had a cameo in George Lucas's American Graffiti and was also a teacher in voice acting to the next generation of talent. Um, so, R.I.P. Rick May. Yeah, now, uh, yeah, we'll include a uh, link in an email where you can send his family condolences if, they, if that's something you'd like to do. Uh, T-Bag has tracked this down, and I'll put that in the description. Uh, now, his words will be immortalized forever. Do a barrel roll! So, yes, R.I.P. Rick May, and there you have it, guys. Star Fox in all its glory. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking... Uh, maybe some people, if they've got the vaccine, if they're not too worried about COVID, uh, or maybe you already live with your families, going to be home for the holidays, maybe dig around in your old stuff, dig up your old N64, uh, break out those Star Fox games, um, because we have got T-Bag's proposition for you guys, all right? We'll be running a little uh, Star Fox giveaway till, what, end of January, we'll say? Uh, so, Rob, you want to fill our listeners in on this uh, giveaway? So, we will be posting a pic of our very own teabag with his high score on our Instagram. All you got to do to enter is simply tag three friends on our Instagram post. That's going to get you one entry. Now, if you'd like to five-star review our podcast mentioning this episode, Star Fox, that's going to get you two entries. And... If you think you can beat Adam's high score and tag us on your Instagram with your high score beating Adam's, that's right there. That's three entries for you. And then at the end of January, we'll take all those entries. Uh, one lucky winner is going to get a T-shirt, pen, sticker, and bandana package, all from the podcast from Outer Space. Yep, full package. Coup de gras, we'll call it. Uh, and we will send that out to you free of charge. Just let us know. And again, um, sizes are limited. You know, we're out in some sizes, so we'll do the best to uh, match your size. Just let us know if you are the lucky winner. Yeah, so just keeping an eye out on the uh, old Instagram for that post. As always, feel free to DM us on the Instagram, Podcast from Outer Space. If you want to buy some merch, podcastfromouterspace.com. And there's a bunch of other cool stuff you can check out on there. As always, shout out to the Loyal Legion. Thank you guys for tuning in. And once again, happy holidays from us here at the Podcast from Outer Space. Yes, happy holidays, everybody. I uh, hope you have a hell of a time, and we will be back 
in the new year with some exciting new episodes for you guys. So stay tuned. And on this one, uh, I want to cite uh, nintendolife.com slash Sarfox. The R Wingpedia, starfox.fandom.com, IGN, The New Yorker, uh, article titled Master of Play by Nick Palmgarten. Uh, So if you want further readings into the Star Fox world realm, uh, go ahead and check those out. And um, there you have it. Just wanted to give a shout out to Jimmy Steele and the boys over at Beal Racing. Follow them on YouTube if that's your thing. Shout out to the boy Jerry Bauer. You can follow him on TikTok if that's your thing at Mr. Bauer, B-A-U-E-R, 06. He's been giving us a shout out out there, so we're shouting him back. Shout out to everybody during these times. I know it's the holiday season and some of you are going through some rough stuff. You know, our thoughts are with you guys. Happy holidays to everybody. Be safe out there. And I look forward to everybody who's willing to give my high score a challenge. Get you some free podcast from Outer Space Swag. So long and thanks for all the fish. All my time is fucking Cartier. Damn, hot boy, press on the corner, what's black for a fur coat? Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox, go fur coat. Throw it on my back, it's Fox,